Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. I have a very sneaky suspicion that in this season of life, God is calling you to do something that you've never seen walked out successfully. I have a very sneaky suspicion that you are either at the brink of or on your way to a fork in the road where you truly acknowledge where I'm at doesn't sustain and fulfill me any longer. But where I'm going is scary. So you have to choose between remaining safe or let's just be honest, stagnant or stepping out of the boat and doing something that you've literally never really seen walked out to completion. I have a sneaky suspicion that there is this stirring up of newness and elevation and growth in you that you just can't explain. And that for whatever the reason, the boat that you're in is rocking just so you can get a little bit braver to say, I wonder what's out there. I wonder what's outside of the boat. I've already been in the boat and seen that, you know, the waves and the winds and it does the things and the and the boat can start breaking up and it's hard to kind of navigate when the waves. I already know all the um, ins and outs of the boat. I've already mastered what it is when, you know, if it's storming, I've learned to just stop and go ahead and wait for things to settle. I've learned how to migrate and maneuver in this thing called the boat when it's stormy. But for whatever the reason, God wants to show me new square footage. It's like he's aware that I have mastered the boat. And so I'm aware that when you've mastered something, you now need to go to new territory. Because God is not looking for you to have dominion over something that you used to, <laughs> that it doesn't shake you anymore, that it doesn't produce greatness out of you anymore. You're not even coming up with bright ideas. You're not even excited about it anymore. Once you've reached that level, it's like, okay, it's time to hover hover over something the way that God did in Genesis and said, let's create something new. Because think about it, it could have just been the Trinity just chilling for forevermore by themselves, right? But something in God said, I have become used to this company. I have become used to it just being this. I have become used to this particular void. So I'm going to hover over it and see what I can create out of it. And what I think that we fail to realize is we are literally the creation, which means that we are going to have some of the similarities, same similarities as the creator. That it is not accidental or coincidental that you get to a certain point and you're like as much as I would love to just dig my feet in and stay here, I'm looking around and this doesn't really satisfy my palate anymore. And then either life or yourself or someone else comes along with their logic or what, you know, you shouldn't change that situation because it's stability or you shouldn't change because, you know, many a woman would love to have your whatever or many a men would love to have your whatever. And they are trying, what they're trying to do is make you excited about a party that you've become accustomed to. No, it, if it doesn't feel, and I don't want to, 
kind of keep hinting at feelings because we are not led by feelings. But I do believe that God always plugs you into a thing through your passion, right? I feel like if the assignment is the socket, then God plugs you into it because you're passionate about it. For some reason, I am a true believer that if the passion is not there, not in a relationship, in an assignment, okay, let's get, let's get, be clear. If the passion has shifted, then you need to ask God, am am I still plugged into the correct socket? I am a true believer that the reason why people have endurance to continue a thing, why they can reach for dollars that's not there, why they can work the extra hours, why they can keep pursuing after hearing no and seeing the doors close is because the passion in you has not died out. I can't be passionate about or or have endurance on something that I'm not passionate about. If God literally was like, hey, real quick, I want you to um, build a farm. I would be like, God, there'd be mosquitoes out there and smells and heat and inclement situations and dirt. And I'm just not that girl, which is why I love the, the God that I serve, because he doesn't call you to something that you are not customized for. So he is not going to call me to be anybody's milker, okay? I don't know the political correctly, but I'm not going to be out there in them farmer streets. He knows what kind of grandbaby I am. I like to get my nails done. I like to get the stiletto, you know, the shape or whatever. I like your, there's just certain things that does not, I'm not wired for that. And I feel like a lot of times what's happening is, we are fighting our wiring because it's either someone else's dream for ourselves or we think that's what God wants us to do. But can I say something? Um, when the Bible says your gifts will make room for you, it's because he's wired you a certain way to make you passionate about a certain thing so that you can pursue a certain road. I truly believe that. And I need that to be something that catches on like gossip, okay? Because what's happening is I think that God is calling us to do a new thing. I thought about that. I said, God, when you called um, Simon, right, and then you were like, eh, I'm going to change your name to Peter, right? And then you called him from his fisher business. And then along the way of knowing him within those three years of him following you, you told him, guess what? I'm going to build my church on you. On, on what? I'm sure that Peter was like, oh, okay, cool. Not understanding that, no, sir, he's going to pass. He's going to start a ministry for the first three years, and he's going to pass it on to you, and you're going to have to finish that. I'm sure Peter was like, how? How? Who? Sir, did you look at my resume? I'm the fisherman, okay? I put on the boots. I do the thing. I go seek the food. <laughs> um, what you want me? You want me to evangelize? How? Like, what you, bro, I've never seen nobody built no church. I've never seen you built the church on nobody. I don't know nothing about being no cornerstone. Like, how you want, what, what can you explain how that's supposed to go, please? Oh, you can't? Because you got to descend? <laughs> I'm not scared at all. Mm-mm. I shake like this in my kneecaps all the time when <laughs> around this time of day. Mm-hmm. I, I could imagine how scary that was to Peter. I thought about Mary. I said, bro, you went from being a girlfriend to a fiance 
was just about to be a wife, and they were like, um, skip that, you finna be a mother. Hmm? Oh, not only that, <laughs> plot twist, you finna be a mother um, to the Messiah of the world. I would have been like, um, can I say something, Gabriel, real quick before you leave? Like, Gabriel would have looked at me like, oh, you want to argue. I can't argue with you. He would have, that would have been in the Bible on my chapter. I ain't going to hold you. Because I would have been like, wait, time out. You, bro, you going to hit me with that 140 character text message that you had sent down from the Lord, thus saith, and then you going to just leave? Sir, I've never been pregnant. Mm-hmm. I don't know if y'all was watching in heaven, like writing, or if y'all was keeping good notes, okay, minutes. Uh, for the particular chapter of my life in the book of life, okay? Did the lamb show you? I've never had kids before, sir, okay? And then also, semicolon, I have also never seen someone carry the Messiah. You are literally asking me to do something so far out of my range of knowledge that I don't know if I can do it. Real quick, you got a YouTube link? Is there a, um, because uh, I know you got, is there a tutorial on TikTok? How, sir? <laughs> what am I supposed to, oh, you're going to leave? Huh. So you you just thought that that little bit of message that you gave, um, fear not, <laughs> and the rest of the things you said was enough for me to carry this entire mission out? Because it's not just something to carry the Messiah, you know, the pregnancy. I got to raise this child. H- how do I do that and protect him? Hmm. Can you um Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't have been married. I ain't gonna hold you. That 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 would have been something. But then when I was thinking about that in my own time, I started thinking, I said, God, you almost have a have a way of asking us to do something that we've never seen. Like the fact that you uh called David to be anointed to be king, and then on his way of making an Uber Eats run real quick. Uh, you went ahead and said, I want you, or you stirred him up enough to be passionate about, I'm going to take down this Goliath. Sir, where have you seen nine-foot giants die? Not only that, where have you seen nine-foot giants fall from five smooth stones? Sir, where did you see what you getting ready to do? And you know what stirred me up about um, David? is that he went to attack something. He went to go pursue something that he didn't even see walked out. I don't think David gets enough play in that whole Goliath situation. Because literally what I what what I'm starting to realize is he had he saw fear <laughs> with Saul and his brothers and the whole army on one side. And then on the other side, he saw the thing that was making everyone fearful, which was Goliath. And so nothing, there was no equation, no part of that said, I'll be the brave one. Like, where did you learn that? And it's because, like he said, he learned how to go ahead and manhandle the lions and the tigers and the bears and the oh my. And I said to myself, I said, God, you, you, you kind of do that on purpose, don't you? Like, you're literally like, listen, I want to do great things, but sometimes it's not going to come uh, through, you know, just customary ways. It's not going to arrive in a way that you're like, ah, I've seen this before. 
Like, it's one thing to have been a babysitter your whole life, and then you merge over to being a mother. You've seen it. You had some practice. You've changed the diapers. You've burped. You've done the things. That's a smooth, easy transition. Babysitter to biological mother. Look at that. Ta-da. But it's one thing to go from uh, you are a shepherd, and now you're getting ready to be a giant slayer. You were a virgin, a fiancé, and now you're getting ready to be the mother of a messiah. You were once a fisherman out and had his whole good business running, and now I'm going to call you to do some evangelizing. Like, God, I'm starting to realize that what you're saying is when we are out in our destined locations, that we are learning the tools that we're going to need to go ahead and go forward to the thing that you called us to do. Why didn't you just tell us that before? Like, what was it about Mary that you looked at her and you were like, she needs the Messiah? I guess you were like, I need somebody who's pure. I need somebody who's going to see something through. I need somebody who's not going to fold and try to cut corners. I need somebody who's going to be to listen. Um, The fact that Gabriel came to her and she was like, well, if, if you said it, let it be so. Like, oh, you have faith, faith. Yeah, I'm going to need that. <laughs> I'm going to need her. Like, out of everybody in the world, there was something about what Mary did in her personal life that God was like, I can personally use you. I can personally use you. What was it about Noah that after looking at everybody and everything, God was like, mm, you and your family. I, wow, that God found favor in him. So I said to myself, I said, I'm going to have to look at myself in a different light. And I'll tell you where this came from. There's a certain arena of my life, my career rather, that I have realized I've hit the ceiling, that I have maxed out my particular seat, that I have run loops around this particular position. And so I have a choice. Sit, be safe, and, you know, shh, say nothing. Hush, little baby, you found safety. (laughs) Don't do anything that's going to make it mess it up. I didn't intend to rhyme, right? You sit there and you just remain um, stable, right? But then I look for what the next step is past this particular position. And when I look at the quality, not even the qualifications, the job description, it scared me. Because I am a person that I need to feel prepared. And so when I was looking at the particular, and I'm looking at the bullet points, I'm like, ooh, uh. ooh, ah, ooh, ooh. <laughs> I was like, ooh. So I went ahead and pushed that particular position to the side. And I asked my husband, I said, "Um, should I apply to something that I know I can learn but that I've never done before? He said, "Uh, yes. I said, I'm going to ask you a question. I need you to be truthful with me. And this is why, sidebar, this is why you need truth slayers in your life. I don't need no yes men. I need you to be able to look at me, look me in my face and say, you know what? I think you have the capabilities, but I don't think you're there yet. And that's between you and God on how you want to maneuver. This is just what I see. And be able to filter that through, like, God, is that you? Because if not, I want to go ahead and say, um, get thee behind. Okay, that's it, cool. So I looked at my husband. I said, I'm going to ask you a question. I need you to be truthful with me. He's like, sure. So I said, do you see that I have the capabilities of being? And I said the, the job title. And he looked at me. He was Like, I asked him, do you think that I can boil water? He was like, uh, yes. I said, okay, do you think that that's something I can do now? Or do you think that I need some more seasonings? Because one of the 
ramifications is that I remain in the seat that I'm in for about two more years. And he was like, um, so that's another yes. He said, let me ask you something. What took the disciples, because we heard this in a sermon with Darius Daniels, what took the disciples various hours all through the night, all kind of effort to roll right before they hit the storm, Jesus walked and got there in time. So what took everybody else that particular, you got to stay in that seat for whatever the years, may not be your experience. Maybe God is just going to have you walk there. I was like, mm, that's why I married you. Shouts out to the grandbaby I chose. Okay. Um, and I started getting nervous. But the funny thing is that I can flash back to earlier that day where I said, God, I've maxed out this seat. And something about God is I'm starting to see that he doesn't say, oh, we're going to take you from A to B. Are you comfortable? You want, you want to go back a little bit? Okay. From B to C. How's that? Okay, great. You're doing awesome. To D. To, and I'm seeing that he goes A to M. Trust me. I'm sorry? God, I want to, but I also want to be prepared. He's like, cool. Trust me. Um, I want to say this to you, and I, I don't want to be disrespectful. But um, how do you want me to do something that I have either not yet put my hands to or seen it walked out? Or um, like I, I want to feel confident. He was like, I'm glad you said that. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. I want you to go ahead and read Joshua. I was like, really? And he looked at me and I said, yes, sir. He said, go to Joshua 1. So when you want me to read from, he was like the first verse. I said, ooh, okay, well, I read from the NLT version. He said, that's fine. I said, okay. Um, after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. I'm going to say it again. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Keep that in mind. He said, to Moses my servant is dead therefore the time has come for you to lead these people the Israelites across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them three I promised you what I promised Moses wherever you set your foot you will be on land I have given you four from the Naviv wilderness in the southern of the Lebanon mountains in the north from the Euphrates River in the east of the Mediterranean Sea in the west including all the land of the Hittites. Five, no one will be able to stand against you for as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Six, be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Seven, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Eight, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Nine, this is my command. Be brave or be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 10. Joshua then commanded the officers of Israel. 11. 
Go through the camp and tell the people to get their provisions ready. In three days you will cross the Jordan River and take possession of the land the Lord your God has given you. 12. Then Joshua called together the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. He told them, 13. Remember what Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you? The Lord your God has given you a place of rest. He has given you this land. 14. Your wives, children, and livestock may remain here in the land Moses assigned to you on the east side of the Jordan River. But your strong warriors, fully armed, must lead their other tribes across the Jordan to help them conquer their territory. Stay with them, 15, until the Lord gives them rest as he has given you rest. And until they, too, possess the land the Lord your God is giving them. Only then may you return and settle here on the east side of the Jordan River in the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, assigned you. 16, they answered Joshua, we will do whatever you command us, and we will go wherever you send us. 17, we will obey you just as we obeyed Moses. And may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. 18, and anyone who rebels against your orders and does not obey your words and everything you command will put, be put to death. So be strong and courageous. Let me explain something to you. Joshua was just an assistant. That's all he was. I had to go back and search to see how old he was. Uh, according to George, Judges 2 and 8, Joshua was 110 years old when he died. So when you do the math, it was 51 years after arriving in Canaan. Um, so when Moses has died, uh, Joshua was 59. Joshua was 59 years old. And he was an assistant up until that point. He was good at assisting. He was good at passing out the information. He was good at just being the right-hand man to whatever Moses needed, right? And then at the brink of 60, God was like, okay, now I'm going to need you to elevate to be the leader, isn't it hilarious <laughs> that we played follow the leader as children, but what you don't understand is that sometimes God has you follow so that you can become the leader. The thing about Joshua that is so profound to me is that God asked him to do something that he did not see walked out. Not only did he not see it walked out, he didn't see it walked out successfully. Not only did he not see it walked out successfully, he's going to have to do it with an entirely different group of people. That's a lot. And I don't know in modern day times, had that been a request God made of us now that we would walk into doing that awesomely. Like going from being the assistant to God saying, okay, now I need you to be the director over here. You're like, whoa, the other director got in trouble because she didn't do, he didn't do what they were supposed to do. And so they got fired. And so I was just, you know, paper filing, doing the situations. I had a little bit of knowledge on a little bit of stuff, but now you want me to go ahead and take over? And God is like, yes. God had to tell a 59-year-old Joshua, be brave and strong. But you know what really caught my attention? It wasn't just coming from God. It was also coming from the people that were following Joshua. Like we always look at the fact that God told Joshua, be strong and very courageous. Be brave and strong is the, you know, the normal translation that we know. 
But I don't think that we give play to the fact that Joshua 1 ends in the Israelites telling him, so be strong and courageous. That's the very last sentence of this particular chapter. When you have God's assignment on you, he will assign people to you to support that. Not enough that you lean on them to get you through the mission, but enough that you know that they are with you in the mission. So they pretty much was like, look, anybody that's against this particular order, <laughs> they're going to be put to death. We're not playing this time. I don't know what the previous Israelites did, but we're not swaying back and forth. We ain't here. Mm -mm. This is not the golden calf generation, okay? We're we not going to always Moses. We're not going to complain. We wanted me. What's this man? Are we not doing all that? So let me tell you what kind of mindset we on. Let me tell you what type of time we on, Joshua. I'm going to go ahead and let you know this. Uh, whatever you command us to do, we finna do it, okay? Also, anybody who comes against that, it's a wrap. <laughs> it's red rum you understand um and then also while we hold you down in this light you be strong and courageous you be brave and strong because we're gonna hold this part down we already know what our part is in this particular assignment but we cannot help you in this part you got to do it so be strong and courageous be brave and strong sir <sighs> You need people to remind you publicly what God told you privately. That's when you know God is like in it, in it. Like it's one thing to be like, oh, that's so funny. I prayed that and then I went ahead and read a devotional. Oh, you know what's crazy? You saying this and I got that scripture written down here in the third. It's another thing when God comes to you like real quick and then pours into you and then you come out and you just go step out in obedience and the very thing that God told you in private, somebody saying it in public, like, I, I would have been like, oh, okay, I would have overread that kind of like, eh. If it said that um, God gathered up the Israelites and was, listen, this is what I'm getting ready to do. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Uh, Joshua 1 starts off saying, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Hmm? Oh, and if you didn't know that, then um, verse 10 said, then Joshua commanded the officers of Israel, go through the camp and tell the people. That means that the people were away. So how did y'all use this very same words that God just told me a little earlier? How is it that I'm praying on things and now it's starting to manifest and God is starting to bring certain people around? I don't know what's happening in this season. I, I, I would be telling you a fib if I said that um, I, I had it down pat. But what I will tell you is that um, God has made me an honorary member <laughs> um, of you thought that you were here just to assist. You thought that you were here only to help. You thought that you were here only to kind of, you know, do something on a small scale, then work your way up. And I'm here to tell you today that God has flipped the script on you. You are going from sitting in a seat that you know you've outgrown, but that you can only dream of how big it could be to God literally presenting the opportunity in front of you and saying, step out, be brave and strong. Because listen, this chapter could have went a totally different way. Joshua could have been like, sir, mm -mm, I'm not going to hold you. I don't know how to do that. 
Once you tell one of the officers, like, once you tell somebody who's already in authority, like, to go ahead and lead us and start to do the things, because I didn't speak to them, I spoke to you. Why don't you tell the person who has all the degrees and the accolades and the experience, why don't you tell them to go ahead and continue to do what you, because I didn't speak to them, I spoke to you. God, do you understand that I've only been the assistant, okay? Um, there, there's not a lot. I don't really have a lot of experience. I've been doing this one thing this whole time, this whole time. Oh, okay. I think that's why the Bible was very strategic in letting us know that the very first verse says, after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. God is very clear about where you're currently at, but you're not clear on where you're going. God is very clear who he's speaking to. But for some reason, you don't believe what's being spoken into you. God is very clear. It's no clouds on when he's speaking, okay? None of you wanted it to be a little bit of fog situation, but it's not that. I need you to go ahead and rev that thing up in you that you're like, you know what? I've been trying to suppress this for so long, and I'm tired of making excuses. God had to tell a 59-year-old man, be brave and strong. And here you are looking at your age? God had to tell a 59-year-old man who was already halfway through his life cycle to say, listen, I know you've been doing this one thing for so long, but I'm getting ready to elevate you. And I know you haven't seen it walked out and it wasn't successful in one lane, but I'm getting ready to show you how to do it. I'm getting ready to give you, a, it's getting ready to be a whole brand new roster. You're getting ready to have new people with new mindsets and new situations who want to follow what God put on your heart. Like, you got to start looking at it like, God, you know what? I'm going to sit in this seat now, but for where I'm going, give me people who think the way that I do, who respect the way that I think, that make room for me to be innovative, that make room for me to be creative in the thing that you called me to do. Don't put me nowhere where I'm going to be prison trying to walk out your particular assignment for my life. I don't want an earthly sentence, God. I want people on earth who's going to help me walk out my assignment. Like, that's what you need to start getting wrapped up in you do you understand that we're not sitting in these seats no more these things is quicksand at this point what we're going to start doing is walking in a way that god i'm going to walk but you're going to have to bring walkers with me don't bring me nobody who didn't bring the right walking shoes don't bring me nobody who's going to complain along the way don't bring me nobody whose heart is not set on the compass of doing your assignment doing the thing that you said to carry out i need people who all gears are on go for god and if you have to override me, then let's go. But God, I just ask that in the midst of that, you remind me. You, you, you give me a word. You give me a phrase the way that you did, Joshua. And you tell me the thing that's going to carry me all the way through. And I know it's going to be you because you know what? You're going to tell me it in private and I'm going to hear it somewhere publicly. And that's just going to be the confirmation I need that I'm on the right path. That I'm not going to have to trip myself out like, did I hear God? No, you heard him. <laughs> you heard him and you're going to hear him in another way because God's word does not come back void. Do you understand that? This is not the season to sit in anything that looks like quicksand. This is not the season to be in a rocking chair where it looks like motion, but you're not doing anything. And that's why you're getting emotional about something. This is not the season to continue on the path of this is the way we've always done it. That's not it. Behold, I do a new thing. <laughs> Behold. Like, I feel like that's spiritually breaking down the door. Like, yeah, <laughs> like what you we getting ready to do something new. And, and the thing is, I know that you've been feeling that. But you look at circumstance, age, finances, locale, um, 
what you've been doing, resume, education, and you made yourself so small that, yeah, when you do look at the calling, it does look like a giant. And so you, you, you're you not Caleb. You're one of the other ones that's like we felt like ants. There was giants in the land because of the way that you perceive yourself. Because of the way that you perceive yourself. Are you really going to allow perception to invade and infect the promise? Are you really going to let that happen? Can I give you a plot twist? You have the option to. But but when God shows you what you could have been, how how's that going to make you feel? Yeah, I, I always said I never wanted to be the old lady telling my grandkids how how I I could have lived you know I really wanted to be this in my career but I chose that because you know after I met your daddy you know mm-mm, I'm not there will be no could have I don't want could have should have any of those in my vocabulary I don't want it if it's a could have if, if it could be a future could have it's going to be an action plan now and that's just the way I live my life there will never be I told myself I always wanted to go to Georgia and God opened up the opportunity for me to be in Georgia Everyone has something to say about that because all my family's in New York and blah, 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 and this, that, and the third. But I didn't want to be the old lady looking down at my life and saying, you know, I always want to live in Georgia. Mm-hmm. And it's because for me at a young age, I heard my mother say one could have, and I was like, I'll never. My mother died at 44 years old and was able to tell me, I think maybe a year or two before that, that she really wanted to be a lawyer. And when I asked her why she didn't do it, she said, because I had kids. Something about being an audience to her particular life story shook me in a way that I cannot explain to you. I, there will never, if it's in my heart, I'm going to see it with my eyes. If it's something that I want to do and it's within good moral standing and I bring it to God, it's going to be manifested, period. I don't believe that God gives you anchors in life so that you can't pursue your dreams, but you made life decisions. It's going to be a little bit tougher than it would have been with no children. But guess what? I would have been somebody's lawyer if that was my heart's desires. I would have been that. I literally got off a whole career path because I had an inkling of, I always really wanted to see what that would be like. So, ma'am, you got breath in you? Go get it. <laughs> mm There will never be. Because I'm trying to raise people who walk out and, and step out and do some stuff that's outside of the boat. How am I going to raise that and I'm not walking that out myself? I don't want to be the parent that when my children call me in their adulthood that I'm like, you're stable you should stay there or you should I don't want to have any verbiage that sounds like I'm suppressing your courage to do something different because our ancestors didn't have a whole bunch of options so they didn't really explore that yeah they they was just trying to maximize what freedom looked like to to that particular capacity for that particular era I won't be that you want to be anything or do anything that sounds like God can literally get behind that and back that up for you and then walk it out for you and then assist you with some people. If it's not, bro, I, I will champion that. I'm a champion for anything that Christ puts in your heart. But it's never going to be anything that you, it should never be anything that you want to do that it would just be an afterthought. And, you know, I, I would have. Mm-mm. And I give you the flip side to that. When I was younger, I wanted to be a teacher. 
when I explore that in my heart now, my desires have shifted. So I'm okay with saying, you know, when I was younger, I thought I was going to be a teacher because it's not a heart's desire now. My thing is filter through your heart. Where are you at? And don't let anything suppress you because you haven't seen it or you, you feel like the life decisions you made is too late. Or mm -mm. if God had to tell a 59-year-old man to be brave and strong, then that means it's still time, mama. Sir, I need you to come on, sir. <laughs> I need you to go ahead and whip some of that up. It's still time. And I believe in my heart that when you start walking in the purpose that God gives you, he'll give you the time you need to fulfill that. But you got to be okay from being the follower to being the leader. What's my challenge to you? I really do feel like at some point you heard like, mm, I need to start doing that. I don't want you to suppress anything else. There is something that you have been suppressing that you're like, mm, because, and you made the logical excuses. I want you to write it down and I want you to submit it to God in, in, in a quiet time. It could be three minutes, three to five minutes stops. And say, God, I need to visually see this so that I can stop um, fronting like this is not something that I want. I've searched my heart and I still want this, God. So I'm submitting it to you. I'm submitting it to you because I'm believing that I can't do this without you. I may have whatever human emotions I may have, but just the same way that you gave Joshua a phrase that helped him through his entire ministry, I need you to give me something that strong as well so that I can get this courage generating, this thing in me that, I, that has been dormant. I need to wake it up. And I know that I can't do it in and of myself, so I need you to not only speak to me, I need you to bring people to me who's going to help support me. That's my challenge to you. Add whatever you will to that prayer. Literally, prayer is just talking to God. Add whatever you want to that prayer. I guarantee you, you'll see a shift. And, and just as a little uh, uh, sprinkles on top, I want you to read Joshua 1. I want you to see it different. And I want you to see yourself in it. If a 59-year-old man could be brave and strong, so can you. If you don't remember our conversation on um, being frustrated and overlooked, yeah, you need to go ahead and uh, recall that one too. Because we talked about people who late in their career did something different. You're not the exception. It's just happening new to you. It hasn't, it's not new to earth, okay? But listen, um, I feel like you got what you needed. Mm -hmm. You know what these conversations are? They are life-provoking conversations, conversations that not the average person is going to have with you, but who, your favorite homegirl. This was so encouraging. I am low-key sweating. I'm going to go ahead and reapply some deodorant because that's the kind of grandbaby I am. And, um... We'll talk later because I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go. Mm -hmm. All right. Later.